Welcome to the Truth Wars podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We wanted to let you know that Olin's first book, What to Do with Worry, is now available on Audible. You can also purchase physical copies where Christian books are sold. Now, here's Olin. And the game that Darrell had designed to play was a three-legged race. Anybody ever been in a three-legged race before? All right. So, if you're in a three-legged race and you're serious about it and you want to win, you got to do your part. But if your partner doesn't do their part, you're not going to win, right? I don't care how strong you are, how fast you are. If they just kind of go limp and fall down and you're trying to drag them along, it's not going to work. Well, the Christian life, once you become a Christian and your goal is I want to live for God, in some ways, it's like a three-legged race. It's a partnership. It's us and the Holy Spirit living inside of us trying to walk in a way that would please and honor and serve God. Does that make sense? And what we really want to go tonight, sometimes we, if you've been in church, you may have heard talk, people talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, being guided by the Holy Spirit. What does it really mean to walk with the Holy Spirit? And we want to try to make that really practical tonight. Okay, So I'm going to give you several different quotes, several different verses, that, but I think it's going to really maybe take a complex subject and hopefully make it... Uh, Simple. So if you have a Bible and you want to open up to Philippians chapter 2, you can. We're going to flip around a little bit tonight. So if you're like, man, I don't always know exactly how to flip to the right book or scroll fast enough on my phone. That's fine. You can just listen. These passages are going to be really short and pretty simple. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this. Therefore, my beloved, so he's talking to Christians, people that have already trusted in Christ. They've already been saved by grace alone, not by works. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so they're growing, they're obeying, so now, not only in my pre- as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So notice he says, you're already saved, but the good thing that God has done inside of you, I'm wanting you to bring it to bear in your life, in your day-to-day decisions, your thoughts, your words, your deeds. I, want, I don't want you to say, oh, I'm a Christian, God's forgiven me, He's washed my heart, I'm clean. No, I want you to live like a Christian. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. And he says, God is still at work in you. God's changing your desires. But the inner work God is doing, you're supposed to bring it to bear. You're supposed to make it an outer work, a lifestyle change. Okay? Um, think about if you went out to the lake this weekend with some friends. And you got into a motorboat. In one sense, if you're in a motorboat with the engine, a ski boat, something like that, you can just sit back and chill. You don't have to do anything. Somebody's driving the boat. There's energy. You can just sit there and enjoy it. If you go get into a rowboat, if you want the boat to move, you've got to work. You've got to sweat. You're grinding. But think about a sailboat. A sailboat is kind of a combination. In one sense, you have to do some work. You've got to move the sail around to make sure it catches the wind. But if the wind doesn't blow, you're not moving. But if the wind's blowing really powerfully, but your sail is not in the right position, you're not moving either. In fact, you might tump over and drown. But if you're doing your part well to get the sail in just the right position, and the wind is blowing powerfully, the sailboat starts speeding across the lake. Make sense? The Christian life, in many ways, guys, it's like sailing in a sailboat. You may say, I've never been on a lake. Doesn't matter. Just understand the illustration, right? The point is this. There are things that you have to do. There are things that we have to do that if we really want to live for God... But we can't do it all in our own power. God has to show up. God has to bless us. The wind of the Holy Spirit has to be blessing the works of our hands. It's intertwined. So 
There's a great old Bible teacher, <clears throat> used to be at Princeton back in the day. He said this, his name is B.B. Warfield. He said, it is the Holy Spirit's part to keep us in the path, to bring us at length to the goal. But it is we who are to tread every step of the way, our limbs that grow weary with the labor as we toil over the steep ascent. Now, let me give you maybe just the best illustration. Because some of you are like, man, I'm not into sailing, so that, that illustration missed me. I won't do a show of hands, but I bet most of you, you've been on a date before, you're interested in getting married one day, okay? Here's a little free marriage advice. If you go into marriage saying, hey, I met this great girl, I think I'm going to tell this from the male perspective, okay? I met this great girl, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do like 50%, and she better show up and do her 50%. Get a prenup because you're going to get divorced, all right? <laughs> marriage is so hard, if you want it to work, you got to go in and say, I'm going to do 100% of the work. I'm going to do everything I can to make this marriage work. And she better come into the marriage thinking she's going to do 100%. And if you're both doing 100%, guess what? It'll still be really hard. But you'll actually have a pretty good marriage in the long run. Does that make sense? The Christian life. How can I live for God? You can't just say, man, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm on Netflix and chill and eat Cheetos and Holy Spirit. When you're ready to make me holy, you just zap me and I'll be holy. doesn't work that way. But also, if you say, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all this stuff. But independently, I'm going to grow into this mature Christian. won't happen. You have to do your part 100%. And you have to trust in, depend on the Holy Spirit to do His part. Does that make sense? Now, when my wife and I get sideways, if we get into a fight, if we get into an argument, and things are not good in our marriage... As we talk about it, maybe sometimes we go meet with a counselor. Sometimes we come away and it's like, you know what? This one was mainly on me. It was my fault. I said something stupid. I was a mean. I was a jerk. Something like that. Sometimes, not very often, very rarely, you know, we might talk about it. And she's like, you know, it was my fault. I was too sensitive. I was, you know, hyper suspicious or whatever. It almost never happens. But every once in a while, right? It's her fault. It's not my fault. Here's the point. If your Christian life is not going good, is it your fault or is it God's fault? It's always your fault, right? It's never like, oh, God's like, I'm sorry, I was taking a nap. I forgot to bless you yesterday. God is always there if you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit is always living inside of you, active, aware, wanting to bless you, wanting to help you, wanting to strengthen you. And so we need to remember that. We need to be dependent, but we need to be faithful to do our part. Does that make sense? So that's what we want to focus on, just three quick points. What is it that we're supposed to do to do our part to walk with the Holy Spirit, to depend on the Holy Spirit, to take the stuff the Holy Spirit is changing inside my spiritual soul and bring it to bear on my outward daily life? It's just three things. Read, pray, obey. Almost rhymes. Easy to remember, all right? Read. Read the Bible. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. A lot of people would say Romans is the greatest book in the entire Bible, and they would say Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. And we're going to look at Romans 8 tonight, okay? If you, listen, if you really say, man, I'm really interested in studying more of this, this is going to be a short talk, and you're like, I want to go deeper on this, I'm on. Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 5, and then John chapter 14 through 16, those would be the best passages to study about what does it mean practically to live for God. What does it mean practically to walk in the Spirit, be dependent on God's power in your life? And we're going to look at all of them very briefly tonight. Not the whole thing, but just little tidbits. So, Romans chapter 8, look in verse 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh. That's the gospel. That's a lot of what you talked about, I think, last week. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't work hard enough. You couldn't be good enough. God did it. God sent Jesus. He died. He was condemned. So you don't have to be condemned. You can be free. But now, why? Why did He do that? Just so you can go to heaven when you die? No, He wants your life to change now. Look at verse 4. In order that, the, the goal of the gospel, the goal of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, the goal of your salvation is this. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When you become a Christian, your whole life is supposed to become new. It doesn't happen perfectly. It doesn't happen fully. It doesn't happen overnight. It's two steps forward, one step back. It's slow, but it should be sure. That slowly but surely, I'm starting to look more like Jesus. I'm starting to think more like Jesus. I'm starting to sound more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, make decisions more like Jesus does. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He, in a sense, He's animating my life with the personality of the risen Savior. And what can I do to be in conjunction with that? The first point is read the Bible. Okay, just look at the next two verses there. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 say this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And that doesn't just mean your skin and bones. When the Bible uses the word flesh, it usually means your sinful nature, your sinful desires. So if you, listen, if you wake up in the morning and all you're doing is thinking about sinful stuff, guess what? You're probably going to do sinful stuff later that day, right? Doesn't have to be a rocket science to figure that out. But if you wake up and you're thinking about spiritual things, things of the Holy Spirit, better chance that you'll actually end up making spiritual decisions later on. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Who wants life? Who wants peace? Then learn to think God's thoughts after Him. Now, you say, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. What does that practically mean? Flip over to John chapter 14. I told you we're going to be flipping a little bit tonight. John chapter 14. Just going to look at one verse here. John chapter 14. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples right before he gets arrested. Look at what he says in verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Somebody described the Holy Spirit one time as like a floodlight. You know, if they put a floodlight out in front of one of these historic buildings on Barry's campus, what's the point of the floodlight? That you just go stare into the floodlight and go blind? No, it's casting its light on the building so you'll stare at the building and see the grand architecture. The point of the Holy Spirit is to bring Christians' minds into a remembrance of the Word of God. You want to set your mind on the things of the Spirit? Read the Bible. This is His Word. Let me give you an illustration. I think it will connect with all of you, okay? If you're not single, okay, you had to be single for this illustration. So just remember back when you were single. Let's say you went on a foreign exchange program last semester with Berry College. You went over to Italy. And while you were in Italy, you met an Italian of the opposite sex. Okay, I'm going to tell it again from the male perspective. You're a female. Just flip it here. And 
you meet this woman, okay, and she's a model. She's gorgeous. She's a genius. She's rich. And she's godly. She loves Jesus. And for some reason, it doesn't make sense, she loves you. Right? And you're smitten. You're in love. There's only one problem. She doesn't speak a lick of English, and you don't speak a lick of Italian. If you're really in love, what's the most important thing you ought to do real quick? Learn Italian, right? I gave this illustration one time, and there was an Alabama frat guy sitting on the front row, and he's like, teach her to speak American. And uh, I was like, that's why you're still single, buddy. All right? You learn Italian as quick as you can because you're like, I'm in love with this girl. I want to know her. I want to talk to her. I want to understand her, right? You want to know the language of the Holy Spirit, guys? It's right here. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Be filled with His Word. You want to know what God's saying to you? I mean, do you ever have that? Sound? Like, God, I wish you would just speak to me. Right here. Okay, I, I, I pray prayers like that too, right? When I have a specific decision. God, you know, in the Old Testament, you did all these audible voices. If you're still handing those out, I'd like one. 46 years in, guys, I ain't had one yet. Don't hold your breath. But every morning, you can go right here. Morning, noon, night, whenever you want to. And this is the living Word of God to speak to you. You read it, you study it, you memorize it, you meditate it. And what will start to happen is when you do have a decision, it's like a verse will come to your mind. Not all the time, but more and more. It will become like a filter. It will become like a framework to guide you. You want to walk in the Spirit. You want to live for God. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Martin Luther, one of the greatest Christians of all times. Listen to this. I have suffered many and various passions. Very great. But as soon as I've laid hold of any piece of Scripture and stayed myself upon it as a, upon my chief anchor hold, immediately temptation vanished. Without the Word, it would have been impossible to overcome. The nails are like the Word of God that penetrate by the input of God's grace and they prevent the flesh from following its own desires. This is Martin Luther commenting on one of those verses that says, crucify the flesh, right? Crucify, put to death your old man, your sinful ways. And he says... How do you crucify the old man? You memorize Scripture. So that when you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do, you start quoting Scripture to yourself. That's what Jesus did. Here's Matthew Henry, another great Bible teacher, speaking about this John 14, 26 verse. He shall teach them all things necessary for them, either to learn themselves or to teach others. It denotes a gradual discovery of truth shining more and more. He shall lead you by those truths that are plain and easy to those that are more difficult. All that the Spirit shows us, that is, applies to us for our instruction and comfort. All that He gives us for our strength and quickening. All that He secures us and seals to us. Here's the point. You're going to read the Bible. And guys, I still do this. And sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes you don't understand. But if you keep reading... And you read with a prayerful attitude. I mean, literally, God, help me understand what this means. Help me understand how this applies to me. Gradually, slowly but surely, it will be like the dawn. The lights coming on like with a dimmer switch. Spend time reading the Bible if you want to walk with God. Okay, read. The second thing would be pray. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to cry out to God. You've got to ask God, help me understand the Bible. But let's just be honest. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to share out loud, I'm not going to ask you to share with a neighbor after the meeting, so be, you can be really honest with yourself in your mind. How many of you have a sin struggle in your life, like you know it's wrong, but you keep doing it? 
And the problem is, you're confused about how to stop. That's usually not where we live, right? Most of the time it's like, I know this is wrong. I know exactly how to stop. It's like, I just don't want to stop. I like it too much. Too much pleasure in sin for a season, right? Anybody? I mean, I, I can give you some personal examples. Part of what you pray about is, God, change the desires of my heart. Make me more and more love what you love and hate what you hate. Make me want to do the right thing. Make me want to obey. Make me want to do what the Bible says. You've got to read and you've got to mix it with prayer. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Again, I told you we're going to flip a little bit. Romans chapter 8. Skip all the way near the end. Start in verse 26. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts because He knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Guys, really just focus on that first phrase there. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray. Have you ever been in a situation where like, okay, maybe you come to a campus outreach meeting or some kind of retreat back with your home church, and you're like, I really want to start growing. And everybody says, like, I need to pray every day if I'm going to grow. And so, like, you wake up one morning, and you're like, okay, I'm going to spend some time praying. And you're like, uh, God, help me not get sick. Help me pass my test. Uh, I guess bless the missionaries and my family. That's it. I don't know what else to talk about. I mean, what? Part of what the Holy Spirit does, guys, He, he teaches us what to pray, what to ask for. Ask the whole, I mean, the best thing you can do is read the Bible and then just take the words that you read there and pray them back to God. Turn them into promises. Turn them into prayers. Right? Think about that John 14, 26. God, you told me that the Holy Spirit would guide me into all truth. And I'm sitting here reading Romans 8 right now and it doesn't make sense. Would you keep your promise? Guide me. People that read like that live for God. People that pray like that Live for God. So read, pray, but then the third one, you got to obey. You've got to do your best to obey. Galatians chapter 5, this is the last place we'll look. And while you're flipping over there, let me just give you one practical illustration. Let's say your first class is at 8 o'clock every day. You have to study a lot. You're a student athlete. you got practice, and you even are trying to put yourself through school. So you got a job. You are slammed busy. And you're like, the only time I'm going to be able to get time alone to read the Bible is if I wake up early. So you're like, I'm just going to pray. God, please help me wake up in the morning at 7 a.m. before class. You know what? That's a good thing to pray. You know what else you should do? Set an alarm. (laughs) Right? Don't just say, hey, God, I I read that it's good to pray. So now I'm praying. Help me wake up in the morning so I can read and pray more. But, you know, God, I'll just be in bed. And when you want to wake me up, if you just hit me with a lightning bolt, you know, not a big one, just a little one. It's not going to happen. God gave you a brain. God gave you hands. God gave you, you know. Set, do all the practical stuff you can obey and then ask that God would let the wind fill your sails and blow you across the lake of life. Does that make sense? Look at Galatians chapter 5. Skip down to verse 16, kind of halfway through the chapter. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if I'm trying to do what we're talking about tonight, you will see progressive holiness in your life. Not perfect, but progressive freedom from sin. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. If you're a Christian, there's a war going on inside you. You've still got sin living in there, but you've got the Holy Spirit living in there now. 
and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that just describes your life, I'm not saying you never do one of those things. You don't struggle sometimes, but if you're like, no, that's what I do all the time. You're not a Christian. That's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say. If that defines your life, you're not a Christian. I don't care what you say you believe. You're not living like it. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Guys, you want to walk for God? Find time every day to read the Bible. And the more ways you can intake the Bible, the better. Come to CO, go to church, go to Bible study, listen to podcasts, and then everything you learn in the Bible, pray about it. God, help me obey that. Help me obey that. Give me power. Change my desires. But then take practical steps to actually do it. And here's the last illustration I'll leave you with. Most of you are going to get married one day. You're going to fall in love for a lot of you in college, you know, or maybe right after you'll meet somebody. And when you fall in love with somebody, part of what you want to do is you want to live a life that makes them happy, right? And so part of what you have to do is you have to ask them questions. You talk to them. It's like prayer. And then you listen to them. It's like reading the Bible. And you understand what things they like and what things they don't like. And to some degree, you try to conform your life to a life that they approve of. Right? That's the way it works. A great way, maybe the best way, to think about the Christian life is the lover of your soul left heaven to die for you. That's how much he loved you. And if you love him back, the best thing you can do... Talk to him. Listen to him. And then as you understand what he's saying, try to live a life that honors him, that shows him how much you love and appreciate his sacrifice. Lord Jesus, it's hard for us to sacrifice and obey sometimes because we do still love so much of our sin. Would you change the desires of our heart? Would you make us love you more than we love sin? And would you help us practically live for you, for your glory and honor, for our joy. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching. <laughs>